Welcome to Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with candid conversations about cyber and tech-related issues with your host, Kath Nibbs. Do you know your GDPR from your ISO? Is your business cyber secure? If not, give agency a call on 03455 760 999. You can visit their website at www.theagency.com. An agency is with an I, not a Y. Welcome to this week's episode. And today, almost a year to the day, I'm joined by Alan McKenzie once more. And almost a year to the day, we're discussing YouTube again, only this time in the context of influential behaviour. So what we what we kind of discussed today in the episode is where a YouTuber might begin uh, a small game, a dare, and it escalates to um, children in primary school carrying out a behaviour such as getting up at three o'clock in the morning to go into the bathroom to, um, to, to engage in a game uh, so that they can then say to their peers, you know, hey, I'm the same as you, this is what I did last night. Um, and Alan gives a, a really good example of one of the uh, young girls that had done this um, and, and the potential safeguarding hazards as well as, um, you know, the fact that there's a deficit of sleep, uh, what that does to children, why it's so important. Uh, and we we kind of talk about normal normal behaviours, but how the internet puts a slightly different spin on them. So, again, really really interesting um, uh, interview. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and yeah, what what we're really interested in is uh, how this how this needs to be a conversation between parents, teachers, uh, and as always, that's the crux of the matter. We always come back to conversation, conversation, conversation. Uh, very quickly to point out that um, there are some young people going to be coming on the, the podcast next week around but somewhere around Christmas time so that's because I've been talking to a lot of adults and as I've said before I can't get my clients on the podcast so what I have done is um, I've, I've brought some younger people on because I think their voice is absolutely valid uh, and it's really really important that we do listen to younger people uh, so you will get that around about Christmas time, I think. Um, it's it's a good good episode in terms of uh, what what these young people have to say. And what do I want to tell you? Yes, um, yes. There's now an editor for the podcast, and that means that there's now uh, financial incumbents. So you know, head over to patreon.com forward slash cybersynapse. Sign up to become a Patreon so that the the audio can be uh, beautifully tailored for your ears in terms of, uh, yeah, the hiccups that I've had so far. And somebody's actually said that they will help me around with the audio, which I, you know, I was looking for. And this person's done a fantastic job on um, some of the episodes for me where there have been audio issues. So um, from this point on, uh, have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, obviously there'll be another episode popping out in between then so I will wish you a happy new year at that point. Um, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week I'm joined by Alan McKenzie again. Uh, Alan is a good friend and also runs a website esafetyadvisor.com 
which I will put the, the link in for uh, after we finish talking. Um, one of the other bonuses of uh, going to Alan's website is you can sign up for the free uh, newsletter magazine that goes into schools. Um, it has some fantastic contributors to the uh, magazine, doesn't it, Alan? Okay, uh, so I'm not really going egotistical here, but that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and in this in this magazine, I think so far the number of topics that have been covered is is outstanding, uh, not just from myself, um, and it allows people to stay up to date with what's happening. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, isn't it? In terms of uh, influential behaviour. Mm. I think we might, yeah, I might title the podcast that. Influential behaviour um, and then some sort of subline. Uh, so to, to do this and begin with this, Alan, what, what have you been doing in schools lately? What, what, what are we up to? Where are we up to with what, what's happening for children? <laughs> that was uh, so um, if I keep it at the primary focus, that, then that just narrows it down quite, quite nicely. Yeah. Um, so the past few weeks, uh, quite a few primary schools all over the country just uh, doing what I normally do is speaking you know, with the children and uh, the, the way I talk with them is talk about their, the online spaces that they're actually in and you know, keep that nice and simple, it's their games, their YouTube and for some of them their, their social media as well. So yeah. I just like to have you know, good all-round conversations about those, uh, being curious about what they're doing, where they're going, what they're watching, you know, and uh, and I use those types of talks to to inject the, the standard, you know, safeguarding type uh, stuff in there. But uh, those types of talks are really interesting uh, with, with the children. That they're, they're so they're so open and so they they just want to tell you everything about their. <laughs> about their, yeah. their their lives it's fantastic they're, they're so open and honest and and, you, and if you can have you know talks like that where you're having fun with them and not being judgmental about things that they're doing it really gives them confidence to, to open up and to ask questions and because they're, they're thirsty for knowledge they they want they, they want information they, yeah. they genuinely do want to keep safe and have fun you know in in that order so it's good so yeah a lot of the conversations um do tend to uh, steer around uh, youtube in particular and mm -hmm. the type mm -hmm. of content yeah. that they're watching whether it's something that's been fed to them from a friend or whether it's something that's been through their recommended videos and that, that's due to whatever they've been liking sharing or subscribing to um online um, and it's been an interesting really interesting trend I've noticed this year in the amount of challenges that they're doing. So this uh -huh. is real life challenges yep. as a result of what they've seen or been influenced by via a YouTube video. Um, and I started to hear about these. I mean, we know challenges have been around for a long, long time. Yeah. They're, they're nothing new at all, but definitely there's no doubt there's been a significant increase this year, not this school year, but since about January, because I've been hearing more and more about it from the kids that have been very open. And, the, you know, I've looked on YouTube and there are, there are millions, gazillions of you yeah. know, challenges out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of them are completely and utterly benign. They, they are just, you know, have a bit of fun. Things like try not to laugh videos, try not to sing, try not to tap your feet, you know. So it's just very benign, fun little challenges. yeah. yeah. But also some really interesting ones, which for me, if my kids were younger, they would cause me a little bit of concern. 
Um, so for example, 3 a.m. challenges. So either staying up till 3 a.m. or setting your alarm clock to get up at 3 a.m. to carry out a certain challenge. And again, most of them are pretty benign, you know, get up at 3 a.m. and do a fidget spinner or um, there's, there's the lava challenge where you've got to uh, try and walk across your hall without touching the carpet or the floor. So you've got to walk across the banister. And then there's some um, probably more concerning ones. Um, and the ones I'm, I'm hearing about are things like the Bloody Mary challenge. Um, and and this, this one caught me by surprise when one particular, I can't remember if it was a year five or year six that mentioned it. Um, and she just called out Bloody Mary. Uh, and I was just about to tell her off for swearing when I suddenly realised that she was talking about a challenge. Yeah. And, and I said, can you explain that to me? Because I don't, I don't really know what you mean. And she said, well, yeah, she said it was something I saw lots of other people doing on YouTube. So I wanted to do it myself. So um, I set my alarm clock for 3 for three a.m. Um, and uh, I got up and I went down to the bathroom and I turned on the taps, or the hot taps, so that the, the mirror steamed up. Um, and then I lit three candles and then stood oh, in front okay. of the mirror and recited Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, until the ghost of Mary appeared. And that, threw, <laughs> that completely threw me ten left. And I said, okay, let me just get this right in my head. You got up at three o'clock in the morning whilst oh. your parents were asleep. Yeah. Um, and you went to the bathroom, the light stayed off, and you lit fire in the in the bathroom yep. candles whilst your mum and dad were asleep. Yeah. And then you recited Bloody Mary in the mirror in the hope that a ghost would appear and scare the living daylights out of you. And she said, Yeah, as if I was stupid or something. What? <laughs> and I said, Why? why did you do this? And she said, well, because I was challenged via a YouTube video. Oh, and, that, and that just completely threw me 10 left. I, I really didn't understand that. And then I'm, I'm hearing more and more about this sort of thing. It's, it's one of these things when you start asking the question, it opens up a little bit of a can of worms and you start to hear about all the other challenges. Um, like the, the Ouija board challenge, children making Ouija boards and trying to talk with the other side you know and um mm -hmm. and it really got me wondering why why is this going on and speaking to, to some of the children that they'll they'll say different things but what interested me was because some of them said well it, that, that's what we were told to do on the youtube video we were told to do that so essentially they were being influenced by somebody you know to do it yeah. and children are children are easily influenced you know they, they, they just are um, and I, that, that's what I've been seeing this year above everything else that's going on. Yep. So I am so excited. I've been scribbling notes actually while I've been talking. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, just even just addressing some of the things that you talked about. Um, what I am going to do in a minute, Alan, is talk to you about um, the ages of these children and what's happening in their brains and why they might be doing it. Cause that yeah. might be helpful for people to know. Um, but the, the sleep thing's really interesting because in terms of what, what children need and getting up at 3 a.m. and uh, some, of the, some of the other challenges, I'm just thinking about one of the things I used to teach about was uh, neck nomination. Yeah, yeah. I remember when that happened and yeah. how quick, um, and do you know it began with Marines? 
would you be surprised? Yeah, would you be surprised at that? So it began with Marines. Um, obviously, both you and I are ex-forces and kind of know that, that some of these games and challenges, should we call them that, exist as part of the camaraderie and as Absolutely. part of the, the, the bonding. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where this behaviour should stay, if you like. But because of the facility of uh, social media, that's how Neck Nomination kind of came to be. And I remember going into one of the secondary schools here and saying, I have just seen a video this morning, and I think it was on a Monday, of uh, year 11s, which makes 15, 16 years of age, you know, year 11s engaging in this behaviour. By the end of this week, your year 6s, 7s, you know, they're going to be engaging in it. School said, no, 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 no. Actually, I was completely wrong because it was Tuesday morning that I saw the first video of a year 7 doing it. (laughs) In school uniform as well. Yeah. They've come out of school. Yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking, do, do you remember the cinnamon challenge? Yeah, yeah. I think that still exists, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it this, does. This takes us into that realm of the blue whale game, the kind of scaremongering that happens so regularly when schools then write home to the parents to say, you know, there's this new challenge, be careful, watch your children, don't let yeah. them go on the internet because if they engage in this challenge... Um, and, and there have been some really interesting ones. Um, masturbate for an hour. Um, oh, uh, yeah, yeah um, that actually resulted in... Uh, the, uh, I'm not sure what happened, whether it was a young boy who actually died because he'd taken, um, he'd taken a, a, an enhancer tablet okay. um, and it actually affected his heart, which is what it was designed for anyway. Yeah, yeah. Vi- Viagra was a, um, a heart... Uh, drug if you like um its side effect happened to be something that helped him achieve success for the for an hour um i know there's been hide hide away in uh shopping centers yeah stay awake for 24 hours i'm i'm just thinking these are pretty uh common challenges aren't they in terms of i don't know what you engaged in at school but i remember secondary school people would run off into the library and you know the occult would be the thing that would be uh, dabbled with yeah. people hiding in a library trying to talk to um dead people yeah you know? and I'm, I'm just thinking about so that only happened with a small group of girls if you like that were like oh you need to come in the library this this lunchtime or whatever but here we are social media makes it much much more accessible yeah yeah so um the Bloody Mary one. Actually, it just strikes me as Candyman. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The film, the film Candyman was to go and say it in the mirror, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but um, I'm just thinking about the amount of terror that, that the child is trying to engage in, but also at three o'clock in the morning, which is classed, by the way, as the witching hour. So there we are. <laughs> spooky, that. There's a random spooky uh, <laughs> Might help you win a pub quiz. But year six is, so 10 or 11, right? So what's happening in a 10 or 11-year-old's brain in terms of thinking ability and growth, they will be in a place where they're beginning to develop something called abstract thinking. And the way that they think about the world is to think of these abstract concepts, such as death. So therefore, is death permanent? Can you speak to people who have died? What would happen if I did? Um, Risk-taking, because they're just pre-adolescence, which is all about risk-taking. and the way the way that children do this, I reckon that this is definitely going to be a year five, year six trend. Yeah, it probably peters off a little bit when they get to about 
13, 14. Yeah. I don't suspect that there's going to be a lot of younger children that engage in it because they won't think about these abstract concepts in that way. We've seen it at year three. There's, there's no doubt we're seeing it mm. in, in small amounts at year three, but I, I think that's probably more influential by the older kids they've overheard something you know that type of thing so i think the fives and sixes the year five and sixes are, are somewhat different from that yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm just wondering about the spooky challenges because uh, uh, a year three probably wouldn't understand that you can make a ghost appear in the mirror yeah, yeah. Um, i've just had a random memory oh they get the challenge that i had when i was at school was to stare in the mirror in between your um in between your eyebrows and if you stared long enough, your face would start to disappear. And the, 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 um, the myth was, if you stared at your face long enough and it all disappeared, the devil would appear. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> oh, my. How interesting. That, I've, I, that memory had completely gone. And there we are. That was something that, was something that I tried when I was about, uh, I don't know what year I was in. There you go. You've been triggered. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is what happens with trauma, isn't it? I talk about this all the time, that one yeah. memory links to another. <laughs> so, yeah, so what, what's it like when you're talking to these children and they're talking about getting up in the middle of the night and parents not knowing? Because I'm just thinking this might be helpful for parents. Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, I mean, first of all, the shock on the faces of the teachers, for a start, you know, t tells, t you know, tells a story because they, they don't know anything about this. And why should they? You know, that, that's, that's what I'm there for, to, to, mm -hmm. to help the school and, and yeah. also, to, you know, to help the children. So the shock on the teachers, you know, and, and then the conversations afterwards is parents must know about this. And absolutely they should. You know, I'd, I'd want to know about it if, if my kids were, you know, getting up to that sort of thing, regardless of whether the challenge is benign or not. I want to know if they're getting up at three o'clock in the morning or whatever time it is. And, you know, that's why they're grumpy the next day or they can't stay awake at school or, you know, and, and their learning's going down or whatever it is. So, yeah, I would definitely want to know these things. And it's, it's also interesting in a way um, having that, because usually that, that sort of lesson is followed up by a, a staff training session or, or something like that. And it's where I explain to the staff that, you know, a lot of the concentration in schools is very much around the, those statutory areas such as, you know, the abuse, the exploitation, the, the anti-bullying and those sorts of things. But actually, you need to be understanding the wider behaviours um, as well. That, that's, that's a huge part of it to understand where there, there may be an elevated risk of harm you know, in, in that sort of thing, because that's, that's what safeguarding is all about, is trying to prevent that from happening. And then you'll move yeah. into child protection if you hear of something that's not quite right, you know, that may be an aspect of other behaviours that are going on. And then it's a, a matter of, you know, peeling back those, those onion layers to find out what's the root cause, you know, of all of this. Mm -hmm. so those types of conversations are incredibly important, you know, for, for us to understand. And that's why I do it in school. Yeah. That's exactly why I do it, because I can talk to a child that might say something that I think, oh, hang on, this, this isn't quite right. So I'll, I'll keep talking, I'll keep asking questions. Uh, and meanwhile, hopefully the teacher is, is listening into this and they all know that actually we've already got a couple of concerns about this child or and this is ju this just adds yeah. to that. Yeah. You know, and, and it happened just the other day. It just happened just last week 
um, when I was talking to uh, children about their, their privacy settings on, on the, the various accounts that, that they, they've got. Uh, and for the most part, children do use their privacy settings and um, the, just the, the odd few here and there that either A, say they don't know about it, mm. um, whereas I'm sure they do, but they say you know, they don't know about it. Fair enough. Uh, and others, a very, very small number will say, no, I'm not using privacy settings. I, I don't want to do that. Uh, and what I was speaking to just last week who, who said that very thing. Um, and she loved her live streaming. She loved her, her TikTok. Uh, she loved you know, acting out and all this sort of thing and was absolutely adamant that the more likes, the more followers, the more she would act out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I kept going down this path. I kept just revealing more, more layers uh, and everything. And I could see the teacher at the back frantically taking notes about this. And I spoke to her afterwards and she said, this is another aspect of some very significant concerns that we have about this one child you know in in the class and and that's what's so important about it it's not just the important things that the, the big high level important things your abuse or exploitation your bullying and this type of thing it's the wider behaviors that we need yeah, to be considering yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of that is the influential nature of what it is that they're seeing what it is they're doing why are they doing there's the big one why why is the biggest one of all you know mm -hmm. so always interesting conversations to have yeah well i mean that's that's about um risks so in terms of children and uh safeguarding risks you're never looking at just one avenue anyway so mm. i'm i'm just thinking about when i when i talk to uh, the children in therapy but also when i'm talking to teachers or parents or so on and i'm saying actually there's lots and lots of risks on the internet, but actually what we need to look at is what risks is, is the child engaging in and why? Yeah, mm. because, I mean, yeah, definitely. You know that that's, that's what I'm doing at the moment with the book is the why. Yeah. Because I think that's the bit that people don't understand is if yeah. you can understand how a child behaves and why they do what they do, then it makes understanding their communication or their behavior much, much easier. Absolutely. Um, so, oh, yeah. So, for, for example, when you talked about um, The Floor is Lava, mm -hmm. which, uh, a fantastic game to play with adults, by the yeah. way, um, especially in Ikea. <laughs> I have seen, I have seen, the reason I'm saying that is I've seen loads of YouTube videos um, of, of that happening. <laughs> but when, when you actually talk to children, the idea of The Floor is Lava, it's, it's such an important game to play that they will do it in really, really risky situations. So I think you mentioned, you know, standing on the banister. And, yeah. and then I'm thinking, actually, that is the kind of risk that a child doesn't think about. But we'd be talking about that being an offline behaviour, even though there isn't a discrepancy of online-offline anymore. But that, that bit's the bit that gets missed, isn't it? It's because yeah. we're looking at online behaviour. Yeah. And, and schools will be saying, oh, it's what, what platforms they're using. No, it's not. It's much, much broader than that. Of course it is, yeah. And it, what's happening offline yeah. then goes online. Yeah. That's, that's the bit that I think is being miscommunicated at the moment. I don't know if you agree with me on that one. Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, when, when we talk about online behaviours, it's not all about what are they doing online. We know what they're doing online. There's no rocket science behind that, you know, whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it, it rarely changes, quite, quite honestly. Um, but it's, it's a lot of it is... The, the, you know, there are two sides to it. It's it's their real world behaviours that they're then enacting online because yeah. that's yeah. what it's all about. But also the other side, and 
what's certainly becoming more common, or from what I'm seeing, um, is the influential nature of things that they're seeing online and then mm-hmm. carrying out in the real world. And there, so you've got those two sides to that behaviour. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I do think a lot of that is being missed because there is so much concentration on the high-level you know, issues that, that, that are out there that, yeah. that a lot of this is being missed. And actually, these are the things that parents really, really do want to know about. So it's 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 the subtleties, isn't it? It's the subtleties in the context. That when when I'm te- yeah when I'm teaching, that's what I talk about. That's how you learn what's what's happening, what you need to do, what might be a safeguarding concern. Yeah. Look for the subtle bits yeah. of information. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking we could go off on a major tangent here, and I'm trying not to. Um, and and also I'm not going to go too in depth um, about why children are so influenced due to brainwave states because that tends to be in my training and a I don't want to give it all away. Um, but there is something about and I shall succinctly sum it up. Um, children under the age of ten are highly influenced because of the brainwave state they're in. Okay. I'm going to say it's very very similar to when you. Um, I think the phrase the phrase one one child used here is when you mong out watching Netflix and I said. Yeah. Did you know that's actually a, a brainwave state? It's not called monging out, but it is actually a brainwave state. And it's, it's that level of influence that happens on a very, and, and that's the subtle level that I'm talking about, is this is much, much more nuanced than, um, you know, what platform are they on this week? Oh, they're on TikTok, therefore they might be at risk. Yeah. Because there's X, Y, Z happening yeah. uh, in terms of grooming or exploitation, as you said. Actually, what about their peers? Yeah. You need to be thinking about why it's so... Well, not you, because I know uh, we talk about this anyway, but the whys are, for children, it is highly important to belong to a group. Yeah. Much, much more so than adults who can rationally cognitize and work out how to get into a group. Children need to do what's what, what they're being conformed to do. So it's yeah. this is what we call peer pressure. Mm. Um, and there's something about if a child feels... So I'm using the, the psychotherapy terminology here. If they feel that they're not part of a group, they will do whatever it takes to be part of that group. Yeah. And, and that's where the influence is really coming through. And I'm just thinking about curiosity as well. So oh, huge. Maybe, yeah. So the idea of, and I, uh, so I've, I've done a blog on this one. And actually when, when we were at uh, the conference the other week, that was the, I think I would say that was the major premise of why children do what they do and take yeah, this. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And it's to do with curiosity, risk, and danger. Yeah. And they are slightly different, but they're very, very similar, particularly for young children. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating area um, to, 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 to look at how, how children risk assess, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and considering you know the 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 thought processes that that they go through because it's easy for for us in in class in lesson assembly whatever when we hear about something a child is doing we just simply say don't do it well that never works it, it not, never not works in my with us. yeah it never works with us so why on earth do we think it's going to work with them because what it's a thing to do Ah, you see, I think this is once we've become, and this is what I keep talking about, once you've transitioned through that childhood phase and that adolescent phase, uh, you kind of forget what it was like to be in that place. Of course and, you do. And quite often we then go, ah, I see. If we explain this to the child, that will stop them going on it. If we say don't do it, or if we shock, 
shock them. Shock That's them. Another one. Try and shock them into it. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't work either. No. So, no. so quite often, I think the e-safety message needs to be adapted slightly. Oh, rather hugely. Than don't, uh, rather than don't do it, um, here's... Well, it is. It's driven by fear. Uh, it's it my favourite concept to talk about this in terms of that's what the media does to us. And then what happens is the schools then behave in a fear-based way. And the children then go, ooh, should I be doing that? Yeah, absolutely. And hey, absolutely. presto, off they go to look for the thing that we've told them not to look for. Well, this, this is it. And, and it's, it is a problem because a, a, lot of the, a lot of the talks go down the prevent it, prevent it, prevent it routes. Mm-hmm. You're not going to prevent it. It's nope. about managing it. It's about being able to recognise it and then managing it. So you can't prevent it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like these, um, you know, the, the, these uh, resources and big campaigns that come out, you know, let's eradicate bullying. We've got to eradicate bullying. You know, I, I think that's very laudable. And, and I think it's amazing the work that charities and, and others do and that sort of thing. But let's be realistic. You're not ever going to eradicate it. You're just not. Absolutely not. It exists in politics. I mean, uh, let's just take the simple concept of human beings. Um, actually, I'm going to talk about TV programs. That's how I'm going to do it. Have you watched any of the uh, new David Attenborough um, programs? One. One, I think. The, the Penguins. All oh, right, okay, the chimp one's very, very good, right? And, and actually, that is animalistic behaviour. Animals engage in uh, behaviours that we might classify like as bullying or war, mm. okay? This is a, wow, it's just part of being a human, uh, but what we can do, and I think this, this was a statement I have, I think you've now heard me make it um, in terms of speaking and so on. It's not about the prevention. It's about what to do when they've made that mistake or when that event has happened because yeah. that's the bit that we need to be concentrating on yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yes, it's lovely having the education to say, you know, this is how to prevent bullying. Actually, my job exists because people get sexually abused, they yeah. get bullied, they get whatever it is, yeah, because it happens. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it's about, and how do you then support somebody? Yeah, and, and that's the thing, is, is those very types of talks can come across as, <clears throat> excuse me, being very judgmental sometimes, you know, mm. it, it's not always, it's not people that are, that are actually doing that, but they can come across as very judgmental, and if they come across as judge, judgmental, then a child simply shuts down, and that's when the job becomes impossible, you, you mm-hmm. can't do that, um, yeah. and it's all about the way in which you approach it, and, and your mindset you know, at, at the time as well, if you're coming across as don't do this, don't do that, you're going to get into trouble, something's going to harm, you know, something's going to happen to you. Children will just naturally shut down. You know, they, they don't want to hear about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so will parents as well. When you're giving talks to parents, yeah. and so they will naturally shut down. You know, they, they, just, yeah. they just will. So it's all about how you're putting across. Uh, and, and like I say, you know, being able to peel away those, those layers just to ensure that that elevated level of risk hasn't yet led to a harmful situation. In other words, yeah. where we can intervene before that point. And, and that's so important to do that. Yeah. I, I do wonder sometimes if teachers, and I'm just making a, a, a kind of bit of amusing here, whether they actually have these kinds of conversations with children uh, when when it's not e-safety week or when it's not um, the, you know, the day that Alan's coming in and we're all going to talk about it for the next two, three days until he yeah. works out of memory. 
I wonder if this this happens to be the same kind of issue for for teachers up and down the country is they've got so much of the curriculum to teach that the conversations about being a human being yeah what what um so for me the conversations that get missed really really regularly are um what it's like to be a human being and have feelings yeah um, what it's like to have conversations obviously this goes to secondary school around sexuality relationships what it's like to be uh, in out in groups, out groups, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then also, how do you manage that for yourself? How do you regulate yourself? Yeah, and, and this is what we're talking about. So it's not just um, the, the, their behaviour and so on. It's about what it's like to be that little person in that classroom, and the conversations that the teacher could be having that are extracurricular to yeah. the, to the curriculum, aren't they? But this is this is humanness. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And it's, it's a very mixed bag in the, in the schools that I go to. There are some schools that are doing extraordinarily well at it. Um, some that aren't doing so well, but that's, that's not the fault of the school. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's a number of different reasons. Sometimes they, they don't feel that they've got the knowledge and experience to have those types of talks. And I tell them, you, you don't need that knowledge or experience. Let the kids yeah. do the talking. Yeah. You know, get, yeah. get your knowledge from, from them. They'll tell you everything you, you, you know, that, that you need to know. Um, it's the, the curriculum is top heavy. It's, it's, you know, schools are struggling. They're, they're mm-hmm. so struggling with the, the curriculum and everything that goes with that as well, the marking, the admin, you know, absolutely everything. So that they're struggling in, in a lot of ways. Um, parents don't feel confident about talking about those, those types of things either. Um, because they don't know what should I be asking? What should I be looking for? Um, you know, and, and I'll tell very parents, you know, very clearly during the talks that I give, you know, f- forget the lists that you see, for example, how do I know if my child is being sexually exploited? Well, number one, you've got this and number six and number 10 and number 12. How do I know if my child is being bullying? We've well, got another list from one to 10 here. Forget lists. It's just behavior. It's just yeah. it's just that instinct instinctive behaviour where you notice that something has changed in a child, and then you investigate that. Yeah. And and that it, it, you keep it as simple as possible. Um, yeah. You know, but 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 what if they're using WhatsApp? Take the WhatsApp out of the equation and treat it as normal behaviour. Forget the technology. You know. Yeah. It's, it, we're back to that offline thing. It's, yeah. It's your ch- well, uh, there are there are. <laughs> for definite there are parents who do not and would not notice because actually they don't take yeah in their children like that alan unfortunately but most of the time this it's it's the same kind of advice here is um so sometimes in the therapy room clients particularly adults will say well, well you're the expert kath and i say a i'm not an expert because mm. nobody is of anything and b you're the expert of you yeah. I don't know about you. You know about you. So yeah. actually, you need to tell me about you so I can help you do what you... Uh, and, and it's almost like a, a role reversal. And, and this, is what, this is what I think teachers might learn and, and parents. Actually, they're the expert of their child. Yeah. And they would, they would know. And it's all about have a, have a conversation. Um, in fact, I was saying this about the loot boxes the other night. Um, is have a conversation... Um, about how the child gets rewards in the games, what what comes back from it. So I was actually talking about um, how you would know what the loot boxes are. Well, you need to know what rewards and progress, and but that means you've got to have a conversation with your child about the game. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, get in and have a conversation about what your child is doing and why. 
Yeah. And you'll find that we could probably get rid of a lot of the scaremongering, the diagnoses like gaming disorder and things like that, because actually it is hanging out with your mates. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what it's all about. It yeah. is a huge, huge part of it. It is, it is massive. So it, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly interesting area, um, but it all comes back to behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And all <laughs> behaviour is a form of communication. So this is about actually have those slightly deeper conversations. And and I'm just thinking here about technically I've, I've really got to get a move on with these books because that's what I'm talking about in the books. And yeah, yeah, I've procrastinated for the last couple of weeks because I've been busy with stuff. Um, (laughs) Not good. I'm not on, I'm not on my target at the moment. So that's, (laughs) that's not good. Um, What kind of other influential behaviors do you think we've got? Do you think there's something about, the people who it is as well. So I'm just thinking here about celebrities or so, cause we've just talked about peers, haven't we? Yeah. And I'm just going to go up a level, kind of go meta with this. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 I do. I do. If, if you're going to stay on, on the topic of let's, let's, let's keep it to YouTube. All right. Keep it, yeah. keep it to YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We, we know it's, it's happening all across the board. Your, your Instagram celebs and you know, and all those, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure the theory behind it is, is all the same. So, you know, let, let's just keep it to YouTube. Um, and it's something I do describe to the children sometimes um, in, in the lesson. Uh, it, it's, it's where if, if you imagine if a, if a big influencer, a big YouTuber, um, a gamer, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If they're just putting out the same content all the time, people just get bored of it. They get bored, you know, of that. Um, and so does that explain in one way why we're seeing more toxic, more stupid you know really stupid behavioral type issue, uh, videos um on youtube where people are acting out so much more they're carrying out stupid stunts and you know all sorts of other things um as well in an order in order to essentially keep their audience engaged more and more and keep them coming back and keep them in there for longer because yeah. the end result is they get more money you know that's that's where the influencer comes into it um and I, I have these conversations with the children, and they understand that. They recognise it. They they yeah. do. They do. Yeah. They absolutely do recognise it. Um, and I normally give, normally give them, you know, a couple of examples of a couple of famous YouTubers out there, and I'll show a short clip and say, "What do you think they're trying to do?" Uh, and they get it. They they completely do understand it. Um, and it's interesting having a conversation with with some of the children, because some of the children will refer to that person in the YouTube channel as a friend. And that's a really, really interesting one. Um, And this this is another explanation to have with staff and parents in particular, is that the concept of friends to these children is entirely different to our concepts of friends. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's why that message of don't talk to strangers online is weak and pathetic. It it doesn't doesn't work. They they don't see it it in the same way that we do. You've got to to change your terminology. You know, it's it's so... So when I I talk to the children and say, well, what what do you mean by a friend? And and without going into detail, what, what they basically say is, well, this person talks to me. And there's a the thing, this person talks to me. It's yeah. not that that famous YouTube YouTuber with 15 million subscribers on, on his or her channel is talking to 15 million other people. They're talking to me. 
And yeah. that's the thing. And, and I think that's part of the crux of the matter is that when a child sees this person talking to me and they reveal their personal lives and although it's only a one-way conversation does that bring in and I don't know this is a question to you Kath does, does does that bring us in a sort of attachment with a child does it go down a, a new phrase I've learned recently parasocial relationships you know yeah, is, yeah. is there an aspect of that within it I'm sure there's lots of things but again this is delving into the whys the whys so that we can understand and help Mm -hmm. In in one succinct sentence, uh, this is entirely what I've written about in the the book one of four. Okay, and you didn't even pay me for that. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> but what I what I'm actually talking about is this is attachment, and it's about my theory about why we do what we do, and and it taps into so much more than um, how do I put this? Taps into so much more than psychological behaviour. This is a biologically driven thing. Okay. Yeah. So I've talked about this and it is the main premise of uh, cyber trauma, the theory, is why we get hooked into things is to do with attachment processes. Okay. And for a child, when they're looking, uh, for, for example, you're talking to me now, okay, because I'm directly looking at you. Yeah. And that's what the child experiences. They don't see that it's, it's a platform where you're speaking outward. Yeah. If I'm facing you and you're facing me, that's a relationship. Yeah. That's yeah. why children believe that these people are their friends and yeah. I've I've talked about this with a few people um particularly therapists actually and I say and how many of you talk about Coronation Street or EastEnders as though they're your mates yeah 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 and people are hooked in by stuff and that's another version of kind of this viewing and why it happens and you know adults do it and they'll say oh my god I mean I don't watch these soaps so I can't even give an example of who or what but you know <laughs> Peggy Peggy uh, who I believe is dead Anyway, uh, Peggy said to Dirty Den, you know, blah, 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 blah. Are you going back about 30 years here, Kath? It goes to, I'm not that old. <laughs> it, it goes to show kind of what, what we would have been talking about. Oh, my God, did you see what Dirty Den said to Peggy? Blah, 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 blah. And that conversation is, is almost second. It's like virtually yeah. once removed. Yeah. But these are not real people. They're actors. Yeah which we can fall into very quickly and it's to do with immersive technology and so on. But this is what these children are doing. They're engaging in a relationship and that's why these people are friends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. It, it's such, because I, there's, I'm, I'm not going to say, there's one clip I show the children every, every now and again. I'm, I'm not going to say which, which one it is, but it's a, a very famous influencer who, it's probably best described as a bit of an idiot uh, in, in his videos. He's basically a bit of an idiot. Um, and quite often I'll ask the children, I'm talking about year five and sixes here again, and I'll, I'll talk to the children and say, um, first of all, I'll, I'll start, start it off by just putting a photograph of the person on a, on a PowerPoint and just put a photograph. Mm -hmm. um, and all the children go, yay, and name that person they know who it is and the teachers are sat around going how do they know who he is and you know that, that forms part mm -hmm. of the conversation um and i'll show a bit of one or two of their videos you know a quick 10 or 20 second clip or, or something like that uh, and i'll say to the children do you love do you love his videos yeah yeah they're brilliant i say okay then describe to me what he has just been doing in his video and it's usually something that's pretty, pretty bad in terms of behaviour. 
um, for example, Skyping whilst you're driving, you know, yeah. FaceTiming whilst you're driving or doing something equally as, as idiotic. So, and then, so, so the children thought, well, he was, he was on FaceTime when he was driving, that's illegal. So is that a good behaviour? Is that, is that appropriate behaviour? And they go, no, it's not. And it's, it's getting them thinking, getting them to critically think that you may think that this person is fun because he's a bit silly and he does some really silly things and that sort of stuff. But when you really get down to the roots of it, do you believe yeah. this is a good person and does he influence you in, in some way? And it's only a 10-minute discussion, but it really gets the children thinking about what it is that they're seeing and also the behaviour of others and how that person can be an influence on their behaviour. And what I've found to be quite interesting is when you've had that discussion, when you ask the children at the end of that, do you still think this is a, a good, a, an appropriate person? Is he a person who is a good influence on you? Yeah. Usually only two or three of the hands go up, whereas previous to that, a good three quarters of the hands would have gone up. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's an indication to the teacher right, we need to delve into further into these children because they need some more work. You know, yeah. there's, there's need some more targeting. Oh, yeah. But again, it's oh, simple. Yeah. And, and this is, this is I think, the, the critical thinking. I'm not sure which book or where. I don't know. I might have blogged on it. I might have talked on it. I don't know where I've done that. Or it might have been in one of your articles, actually. <laughs> I've got no idea where I, I'm chasing my tail at the moment. Nice. Okay. <laughs> So critical thinking, massively important, but this is, this is the kind of conversation that I'm just talking about for teachers to be talking about who are your role models. Yeah. Because when we, when we were young, obviously 10 years ago, uh, it was TV. Yeah. It was TV. That's where your role models came from. Pop, pop bands and TV. Yeah. Well, for children, it's much, much bigger than that now, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. I realized as you were talking, we are almost a year to the date uh, when we talked about YouTube and um, I think we talked about Logan Paul and the suicide forest and, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and how he engaged in a behavior that was uh, possibly immoral, uh, probably immoral, uh, illegal. It was illegal. Yeah. And actually how that influenced, and it got seen by, I don't know, his 15 million viewers plus the fact that YouTube trended it at the time. It was viral. Yeah. Yeah. So in a year, Alan, do you think we've really learned a lot? No. No, absolutely nothing. You know, I'm just thinking, people might get bored. I think you said earlier, people get bored with the same content. Yeah. I have a funny feeling this podcast is literally going to be circular and repeating itself in terms of what are the new trends at the moment, Alan? Well, they're the same as last year, Kath. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, it, it is. People think this is a very fast-moving area. In reality, it isn't. In terms of behaviours, it's not a fast-moving area. Behaviour doesn't move that fast. Humans don't evolve you know, that, that fast. They, they just don't. Um, the technology moves fast, yeah, but it's what I keep telling people. Remove the technology. Forget the technology. It's irrelevant. It's a smokescreen. You know, yeah. that, that's, that's what it is. The behaviours themselves don't move that fast. I, I was teaching down in London a couple of weeks ago and somebody said, well, do you think something about something about the Internet? And, and you know, and now we now we see all of these human behaviours. I said they've always been there. Mm. They've always been up here in, yeah. in, in the head. And actually what the Internet allows us to do is to have a medium that allows us to explore things that previously we might never have engaged in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that does seem to be the premise of somebody else's talk about why why. Um, 
child sexual abuse exists in in the um, prevalence that it does. Yeah, but I think it's not just down to child sexual abuse. This is about human beings engaging in human behaviour. Yeah, and, yeah, and absolutely. That has yes. been the premise the premise of everything that I write is about. We're not doing anything that we haven't ever done before. We might be doing it slightly differently. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it, it all comes back predominantly to what you've said a few times now the conversation mm. that, that's it is it's not talking at it's talking with so oh, that's going on the podcast title <laughs> but it is that's that's what it comes back to and, and sometimes you really sound like a you know like a broken record player mm-hmm. sometimes when, when you say to people just talk with them because actually that that is what it's all about um yeah. it's you know it feels embarrassing sometimes to say it's 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 not the answer it's not a solution but it's where you find things out and it's where you're able to impart good information to people is talking with them to understand their points of view to, to understand their concerns it's not all about us making an assumption about what we should be telling the children. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. about us understanding what the children want from us um, yeah. and, and injecting our information in as a part of those discussions. Yeah, and again, I'm drawn to attachment theory and I'm gonna give a res- uh, uh, the name of a resource out actually, because this is where my fizz buzz head just went. So I'm gonna suggest that people have a look at uh, Gabor Mate and Gordon Newfeld's book, which is called Hold On To Your Kids. Now, whilst I agree with a lot of what Gabor says, A, I disagree with the, the addiction uh, route that he's taken for technology because actually it's about, it's about attachment. Yeah. And, and when he does talk about addiction and you listen underneath, it is about attachment. But the, the book, Hold On To Your Kids, um, is, is very well written. Um, and there is a little bit of a, a bias towards um, children are hanging around with their peers and getting most of their influence from their peers also known as the internet, Mm. parents are the most influential role model. And I'm just thinking back to, um, so I'm going to use a word now from the Flow Genome Project. We need more communitas, which is more um, the the, the village that raises a child. We need to be back in connection with groups. And I think there's, um, what was the book called a couple of years ago? The Big Disconnect about why... Basically, there's a lot of books written like this, aren't there? But why the internet is is creating this disconnect and why it's having an effect on children and why nobody's talking to anybody anymore. Uh, I call bullshit on a lot of that, Yeah. to be honest, yeah. um, because I think actually we're communicating in a different way. Yeah. It's not, it's not that we're all disconnected. That's got nothing to do with the internet. That's to do with us as a whole species of human being and the fact that we have been separating very slowly. This This was happening... 40, 50, 60 years ago, before the internet, so yeah. or even longer, actually. It's why wars exist, etc. I'm going to go on a rant here, so I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> so there is, yeah, otherwise I could have been doing that one from a meta perspective. Actually, we need more connection. Yeah. That happens through conversation. That is how you gain connection. We yeah. are, and I'm going to go back to the David Attenborough film, um, it's said in evolutionary psychology, the reason we gossip and talk is because we're not, uh, we're, we're naked apes, basically. We don't groom each other for um, ticks and for bonding. Yeah. We do it through communication, talking, and spending time with. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, Robert, who was it? David Buss said that. I'm sure it was. 
So he's an evolutionary psychologist. So, oh my goodness, the, the refs are just dropping out of my mouth today. Aren't they? <laughs> You've had your coffee this way, the today, Kath. <laughs> yeah, it might have been, I was going to say, it might have been the bulletproof coffee earlier. So that, that tends to, yeah, I've not got brain fog at the moment. So, oh, where do we go from here? Because we've been talking for nearly an hour. So, yeah. yeah, role models, talking. Yeah. Talking, talking, talking. That's what we're suggesting really, isn't it? Talking with, yeah. Mm. Talking with, not at. So important, so incredibly important to, to do that. Yeah. And actually, I, I think that would, that would be a helpful hint towards people who speak at conferences. Yeah, there's been a lot of that lately, hasn't there? There's been a lot of people talking uh, at yeah. a, a number of conferences. And it's, <laughs> it's really interesting because I think that's the feeling, isn't it? Is what did I get from that? Apart from switching off. Um, so I'll give you a bit of uh, therapy theory. When critical parents, so this is like an ego state, when a critical parent is talking at a child, what you get is the uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, 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 and it's called yeah. adapted child. It's called a what? Adapted child. Okay. So it's, it's in, the, in the child, they will either become rebellious or ad- adapt. Yeah. That's why we say please and thank you and all the other things. We don't mean half of it. We just do it because it's repetitive behavior. <clears throat> and you start wagging the finger and children start going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, that's Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's that's a reason to not talk at people because what you get back is the adaption. Yeah, yeah, Adapt- absolutely. Adaptation. Yeah, that's a better word. Adaption, adaptation. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think another important point, especially if, if teachers or anybody are, are watching this, is that you make it very clear to children that this is a safe space when you're talking about these sorts of things. You know, do make it very, very clear to them that you're not going to be judged. You're here to help and talk and have fun uh, and everything else. And I think making clear that this is a safe space uh, for this lesson with normal behavioural boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. etc., is is so important to do that. Get the confidence of the children up to to say things and and talk about their own experiences. Yeah, I want to speak with somebody about um, uh, uh, youth produced images in that way, because actually that is what, um, so I think Jim Gamble had said at his co- uh, conference speech the other week, that he was saying that well, if, if a child shared an image, you need to be careful of uh, this, this and this. And I thought, well, not necessarily, only if the child is feeling shamed. And yeah. if, if we have that reaction that goes, oh, you did what? the child is then not going to engage in any fit because shame has the same physiological response yeah. as uh, trauma. Yeah. yeah, That's the biggest shutdown. So if, if you do create a space that has got shame or judgment, children are not going to come forward and be honest Yeah, because it's too frightening to do yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely create a safe space. Make sure that when you say it's a safe space that actually you then carry that, you know, be true to your word. Yeah. Say it's say it's safe and make it safe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. So important to do that. Mm. Brilliant. Oh, I, well, think Kath, I think we've done that one to death. Yeah, I was gonna say I think we might have come to a natural conclusion there. <laughs> <laughs> that Brilliant. was that was quite a pivotal end, wasn't it? Is yeah, actually this is this is what children need. They need us to understand them so that we can help them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stop making assumptions about what they need to know and find out what they want to know yep so it's incredibly important to do that yep well the the little phrase that you've just triggered off in me there is don't assume it makes an ass of you and me (laughs) yeah true enough yeah true enough 
Right. Okay. So I will put your details into uh, the link below uh, so that people can go to your website, sign yep. up for uh, freebie magazine. Um, and also, you know, get, get up to date advice on there as well. Um, I think it's on my links page as well anyway, on, yeah, on yeah. my website. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to try and put a button or something on the new one so that it goes to you quicker. Yeah. And then I will put the book link in that I talked about. Um, and I think that's it. And, and actually people to go back and watch some of the episodes that we've mentioned here today. So there's a really early one called don't stream and drive yeah. there's one that we've done around YouTube. Uh, there's lots to be learned on the previous podcast. Cause you know, I am speaking in depth with people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go and listen to them. Really good podcasts. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, thank you very much for your time. And uh, the internet held out, so it's all good, Alan. (laughs) Brilliant, Kath. Good to see you as always, mate. Okay. This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer.